0: Thank you, Milligan. What a powerful, powerful word and song this morning, man, aren't you glad you're here? What a blessing it is to be in God's house with God's people singing about the Lord and praising and worshiping him, and we just rejoice in the opportunity. We're now closing in on Easter and we're closing in on finishing the gospel of Mark and As we look today, we look at the latter part of chapter 14. Last week, we looked at the Lord's desire, the servant's desire to sit and uh, partake of the Passover, to exemplify the Passover uh, with those of his closest friends and followers. But now things begin to really take an ominous turn. We sang, and man, how perfect that song was that we sang just a moment ago of the Lord being betrayed and going to the cross. And I think we all felt that song this morning. If you didn't feel it, I've got wonderful news. Jesus died for you to set you free and to give you victory that comes only through Him. If it does not excite you to sing... And read about the precious blood of the Lamb that was poured out for the sins of the world, then maybe you are not a partaker in and of that glorious sacrifice that is the Lamb without blemish, the Lamb slain for you and I. This morning, as we look at this text, we look at the servant's setup. And it wasn't talking about how he was getting ready to swing his golf club. He wasn't talking about how he was decorating out uh, his home and how he was setting up the, the Passover, but being set up. A lot of you may feel like there's somewhere in your life where someone set you up for failure. They set you up to take a fall for something else. We see it through the Scripture. Joseph. When he was in Potiphar's house trying to serve, Potiphar's wife set him up for a crime he had not committed. Am I right? And oftentimes we feel like that. Even a country artist sang a song that said, you find out who your friends are. Well, before you start complaining about being set up too much, I want us to look at the story of the servants set up and I want all of us here today to ask ourselves where do we fall in this story let's start in chapter 14 and verse 43 but before I want to read a verse into your memory out of proverbs he tells us 276 of proverbs faithful are the wounds of a friend but the kisses of an enemy deceitful. Now you know where we're going to read, and you know what we're going to talk about, but we see that as the overarching, that the kiss of Judas was not the only act of deceit we find in this text. The servant was set up, and we start by looking in verse 43, and immediately... Now, he's just come out of the garden. And they've all, you know, Peter, James, and John have slept, fell, fallen asleep on him. He said, sleep on now, for the hour is come. Rise up, let us go. For he that betrayeth me is at hand. And immediately, verse 43, while he yet spake, cometh Judas. A name synonymous to this day for betrayal a name that stands even more boldly as one who would stab one in the back than even the name Benedict Arnold, which also is synonymous for a traitor. Judas Iscariot, he tells us here, one of the twelve, and with him a great multitude and the scribes and the elders. And he that betrayed him had given them a token said, Whomever I shall kiss, that same is he. Take him and lead him away safely. And as soon as he was come, he goeth straightway to him and said, Master, Master, and kissed him. And they laid their hands on him and took him. First of all, I want you to notice in this setup, a greedy fake. Judas Iscariot was nothing more than a man that was fraudulent, a real fake. It says he was one of the twelve. That's like saying he was on one of the leadership teams in the local Baptist church. that's, That's like saying he was one of the pastors in the association. He was one that walked and talked and ate and lived with Jesus for roughly three years. He was a greedy fake. We know what happens. But I want you to notice somewhere along the way in his life, Judas laying there. No doubt he had seen Jesus feed 5,000. He had seen Jesus feed 4,000. He had seen Jesus raise the dead, heal the blind, cause the lame to walk, right? And somewhere along that journey... Judas Iscariot laid his dead head down one night and asked this question. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? Well, I mean, he's with Jesus. Right? The one who could change his eternity. The one who had healed all these things. Yet Judas looked at the materialistic question, what is in it for me? If you're visiting with us here at Eastside today for the first time or for a numerous time, we are so honored you're here. We believe that it is not a mistake that God has led you to be here today for whatever reason. But I want to assure you, we are not here to meet materialistic needs. We falter and we fail all the time Week in, week out, people come to the church and they fill out applications for benevolent help, and we try to help a lot of people, but they get the cart before the horse. And they think that, and I remind some every once in a while, I said, you do realize that we do not produce widgets, that we do not sell anything. We're not for profit. We are simply the Lord's body that comes together and worships, and what we have is out of obedience of God's children giving the tithe and the offering. And with that being said, we want to be good stewards with it. So we're not just going to hand it out willy-nilly. But the problem is, even church members, as well as those in the... And this is why those out there think that it's somehow we can solve all their problems by taking care of the material is we give that idea sometimes. We get bought up into prosperity gospel. We think, well if I live right and I tithe and I offer I give up my offerings and, and I buy a cake for a thousand dollars and and I buy seventeen spaghetti suppers and don't even eat spaghetti, then God's really going to pour out his blessing. I'm going to tell you something. If you're being obedient to what God's told you to do and buying those 17 dinners, and you pay $1,000 for that cake, and God has told you to, yeah, God is. But if you think that's somehow going to earn you some kind of extra favor with God, you have completely missed the mark. We're hearing that every Sunday night. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. And there's one thing Jesus made very clear, and it was enunciated very well by Peter. He said, May you and your gold and your silver perish with you. When they tried to buy the gift of the Holy Spirit. And one said, Hey, come, give me. And they said, Silver and gold have I none, but what we have we'll give you. And they gave them Jesus. The greatest thing you can give your kids. It's not new vehicles and... $50,000 weddings and unbelievable high-priced educations. The greatest thing you'll ever give your children or your grandchildren is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Judas Iscariot left such a scourge on his name because he was a greedy fake. I want to ask you this. How much is your faith worth? How much is Jesus worth to you? 30 pieces of silver? Put that into the realm of whatever it is. What is it that takes you away from studying the Word of God? What takes you away from bowing your head and and, and submitting your life in worship to the King? What is it that keeps you from using your talents and your supernatural ability that only the Holy Spirit can give you to bring honor and glory through singing in the choir, working with the youth, working with the children? What is it that you say, well, right now we've got our kids doing this, and my wife's doing this, my husband's doing this, and we're just just so busy. I'm going to tell you, that's the most arrogant, self-centered thing you can ever say when you say you're too busy for God. When Jesus came to this earth, he had one thing and one thing only on his heart, on his mind, every single moment of every day. And that was you and me. And that was to be obedient to the cross. Because it was the Father's will. And nothing ever got in the way of that. Well, I fail God every day. I want to do this and I want to do that. And sometimes in trying to do, I stop being Philip called me first of the year and he said, hey, I want to pray specifically for you this year. What's your word? What's your, what's your word? I said, my word this year, God is really laid on my heart, is abide. That word abide overwhelms me when I read it in the scripture. And I, I see the picture of just crawling up into my father's lap. My heavenly father. Not doing anything, not being anything, Just abiding. Just being there and letting Him love on me and love through me. It's amazing how much better I can love others and and, and help others when I allow God to do it, not me. Judas thought his job was to do whatever he was supposed to do. To bring honor to him in relation to Jesus. And so... He sold out his faith. He sold out his Lord. He sold out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. I asked this other day. Do y'all know, you remember what Judas Iscariot bought with it? All that time in scheming this greed that Judas Iscariot had to get this money to sell out Jesus, what did he buy with it? Did he buy him a retirement home? Did he buy him a place at the lake? Did he buy him a boat to go across? Did he get him a camper to go pull up by the sea? Did he spend it on an extravagant vacation or buy jewels for someone he dearly loved? Did he put his children through college on it? He didn't spend a dime of it because the guilt and make no mistake about it it was not repentance it was remorse it was the guilt and the shame of what he had done he threw it down and left those co-conspirators and he hung himself what does it profit a man to gain the whole world And lose his own soul. He was a greedy fake. I want to ask us today. What is Jesus worth? Is he worth what we're paying to miss out on the relationship that he wants us to have? There's nothing. There's nothing as precious as Jesus. Jesus. There's nothing. There's absolutely nothing. And so we see this greedy fake. But notice the fair weather friends in verses 48 and 49. And so Jesus answered and said unto them, Are you come out as against the thief with swords and with staves to take me? I was daily with you in the temple teaching and you took me not. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. These fair weather friends. Have you ever had someone that was your friend until they saw somebody they deemed more important than you? Preachers are the worst. Except for preacher's wives. (laughs) But she's witnessed it standing beside me. Staying at a Southern Baptist convention. Whether you're at a judge's conference or a banking convention or a farming convention or whatever. And you see somebody you haven't seen in a while. And they say, hey, how you doing? Everything good? Yeah, it's good to see you. That's what... Y'all know what I'm talking about. They're looking for somebody more important than you. Oh, man, hey, it's good to see you. I got one. Got, I'm just leaving. Some of them finally is just honest now. Fairweather friends. I'm going to tell you who your friends are. Tracy Lawrence asked that in a song. I'm going to tell you who your friends are. Your friends are the ones when you're in the hospital. And you're in need. And they don't just say pray and put some praying hands on Facebook, they pray for you. Prayer's more than an emoji. It's more than just saying it, it's doing it. Don't say it and don't do it. You're a liar. I was convicted now. I'm just going to tell you I was a fair weather friend. Hey preacher pray for, okay I'll do that. And God said, you're a liar. You know how I I try to keep from doing it now, Mike? You know how I try? If Mike walks up to me this week and says, Hey, preacher, I need you to pray for our our office or pray for somebody that works with me. I say, Okay, let's pray. That's the way I hold myself accountable. Because I fail people. Man, I'm a failure. I am an absolute failure. Right now I'm failing my camera. He's like scanning all the way across the church. I've been a fair weather friend. You've been a fair-weather friend. Somewhere along the way, you've let somebody down. Jesus has never let anyone down. He said, where were you? Why didn't you take me in the temple? Why Why now? What's the deal? Here's the problem. Judas says, what's in it for me? But fair-weather friend says, what have you done for me lately? You were supposed to come set us free from the Romans. What good are you? I mean, come on. We're still under bondage. Nothing has changed. But in a matter of hours, literal, literally, eternity would change. But they were too short-sighted to see it. He'd been telling them all along, had he not? One of the accusations, oh, he said that he was going to tear down this temple that's exactly what he did, but it wasn't the stones of Solomon, it was the temple of God. Fair weather friends, what have you done for me lately? We're so short sighted, we have such short memories. We live in such a transient society, to where we don't put our roots down, people don't join, people don't get baptized. We don't want to be dedicated to anything so we can hop around and we can continually seek our agenda and our fulfillments rather than being held accountable to anyone and anything. The truth is, we are fair-weathered friends when we want to say, yes, Lord, yes. You say yes to what? If you say yes, Lord, that means to everything and anything. Lord literally means master. It means yes, Lord, in your marriage. It means yes, Lord, in your church service. It means yes, Lord, on your job. And may I tell you, I heard someone mention this week, and it was a a great leader in Georgia Baptist life uh, that mentioned the difference... He was talking about the difference in pastors and those people who worked a secular job. Now, I didn't corner him. I didn't feel the need to call him out. But he was completely off base with that. Because if you're born again, you don't work a secular job. If you're saved by the grace of God, you do your work as unto the Lord. The Bible said, I'll never leave you Nor forsake you. So, whether you are in a police car, or whether you are vacuuming, or whether you are dispensing drugs, or whether you're reading uh, an x ray, you are a born again believer, and God has empowered you to be salt and light right where you're at. And you're just as important as the biggest mega church pastor and the most, most vibrant song leader. You are it. Stop thinking that we're just to be on the fringe because I'm not like him and I'm not like her. We have short memories of what God's brought. Oh, I believe in God, but I just don't know if he... Well, did he not get you through that? And I don't know what your that is, but I know what mine are. And it's a laundry list. And the most convicted thing I I experience in my life is when I doubt God today, having seen God work so mightily yesterday. But let's not forget the Hebrew children were Gilligan for 40 years. How long was Gilligan's trip supposed to be? I love it. See, y'all got great memories. This, is, this scares me now. I'm going to be real honest with you. I don't know whether to be humbled and excited or to be a little a uh, little worried. No less than 30 people told me that, I thought you weren't going to be here today. You I'm, what, Why are you here today? You were supposed to be gone. Last Sunday, I messed up. Write her down. Why do y'all women always put the amens in the wrong place? (laughs) Amen. The preacher messed up. I had a a board meeting this week in North Georgia. This week I've got a, a shepherding conference in North Georgia. And I got the days mixed. This coming Sunday, I will not be here. Brian Alexander is going to be here. But last week I said I wasn't going to be here this week. And I realized, I told Biggie when I got home, I said, I messed up. I told him I wasn't going to be here next Sunday. Well, I don't, I, and y'all were really good. And I'm not going to encourage anyone to play poker because I believe in faith, not luck. But y'all did it the most straight face. I thought you weren't going to be here today. I'm like, does that mean good or bad? And was it good you heard that? And, and, and so many heard that. It was just like, hey, I'm not going to be here. You pray that. And everybody remembered it. This makes me a little worried. Fair weather friends. Hey, he's not going to be here next week. And it, it, it really makes me worry because Sunday school's high it's been in months. <laughs> just saying. Listen. We have short memories, don't we? Except for what we want to remember. Huh? What about a forsaken servant? He said in verse 50, And they all forsook him. And they fled. And there followed him a certain young man having a linen cloth cast about his naked body and the young men laid hold on him. Many believe this is John Mark. He's writing of himself here. And he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. The forsaken servant. The one who had healed him. The one who had fed them. The one who had wept over them. The one who had wept with them. The one who had healed and cured and raised and blessed. But beside all that, the one who was coming to give his life a ransom. Matt, you could not have picked a better song this morning. Then that song, that last one we sang, of the betrayal, that word just literally jumped off the PowerPoint at me. Betrayed. Betrayed. He was for, it said they all forsook him. They all. Look at this. They all forsook him and fled. We're trying to come up with all kind of ingenious ways to build church, church growth, get a crowd. Listen, I'm all for it. Listen, We're going to have, just as a quick segue, a quick public service reminder. We have a great, great month coming up. Now, next Sunday, Brother Brian Alexander from the Georgia Baptist Mission Board will be preaching next morning. In my absence, we're going to be with my parents next Sunday, Lord's willing. But then the following week we'll be back and it will be the last night for Truth University, which has been phenomenal. The Job and the gospel. its I'm telling y'all, y'all think, well, this is a good reason not to come on Sunday nights. Especially, listen, young couples, you're the one who needs it more than anybody. It's not about some legalism, well, I don't think we have to go. No, it's about you get to. It's all about perspective. I have been able for... This many weeks to sit with my wife in the back, which she prefers. I don't, but she refuses to move up. But still, I have one good ear, and so I'm able to listen to there's nothing that I have done that can cause God to love me any less. I've heard that every week on Sunday night, which is worth the price of admission. I need that reminder. My, me and you need that, don't we? We know each other very well. I need that reminder. I cannot mess up so bad that God says, you know what? On second thought, you gone. No, no, Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. He was forsaken for you and me. They all fled. I, Lord, please forgive me where I fled. Please forgive me where I have forsaken you. In a crowd when God said step up and stay, stay true to me, I fled. When God says stand for what is right, no matter what the world thinks, no matter what the politics, no matter what anybody wants to call over you or try to hold you to, stay true to me. Lord, forgive me where I failed you. The forsaken servant. Think about this. He was forsaken by his friends. These were friends. They were friends. They laughed and joked. They had fun. But can I tell you something? And I was joking with my daughter uh, when I was up on campus this week, and I said something. Uh, we had went out to eat, and she had some of her friends, and they were they were not being ugly, but they were just being college girls snippy at each other, but. Having fun about it. She is her father's daughter. And I said, I said, you better be nice. You ain't got many friends to get in on the jab. She said, well, I learned from the best. (laughs) And I said, you're right. I said, and I'm here to tell you, I got one friend. I got many friends, but I got one i yeah, got one I've had since 1970 that has, and I'm not talking about Jesus now, but one who is stuck literally closer than a brother. My buddy Mark has been a friend to me in the thickest of thick. He has prayed for me when I couldn't pray for myself. We have named each other's kids. We went on vacation. We have prayed. We have been burdened. We have laughed. We have served together. There's nothing more fun than to fly somewhere with him, uh, as drawn up emotion motion sickness and nervous as he get, and I just stick it to him as hard as I can stick it to him the whole time we're in the air. I just have to keep feeding him drama, But he's been a friend in need, which is a friend indeed. But then Jesus is more than that. You know, there's times where I've let Mark down. There's times I'm, not, I'm sure he's probably let me down. But there's never been a time Jesus ever let me down. How about y'all? Jesus ever let you down? Friends, family. Family will let you down. Family will let you down. The people who can stab you the deepest are the people that's closest to you. Don't ever forget that. Friends, Family. And even all of his followers. How many forsook him? All. But now I want you to notice those following afar. He said, verse 54, And Peter followed him afar off, even into the palace of the high priest. And he sat with the servants and warned him, warmed himself at the fire. Well, bless your heart, Peter, we're glad you're comfortable. He followed from afar. He was close enough to watch. We like that, don't we? We hear something really good. We want to go to the big hip church. We want to be close to it. We want to go to Fuge. Y'all catch this youth while you're going to prepare lunch. We go to Fuge. We want to be up on close to all the bands and all that. Praise the Lord. We come back and we look like a drugstore wooden Indian in worship. Man, we can hoop it up. Braves, hey! hey, hey, hey. And we sit here like this in church. This thing ain't over yet. All right, free baseball, which is another word for extra innings. If I'm lying, I'm dying. We love it. We love it. But boy, you let church flirt with a little over an hour and 10, hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes. We're like, oh Lord. Here we go again. He followed from afar. He was close enough to watch, but far enough to run. That's why I don't like sitting at the back. I want to be, be close to the fire. I, 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 I wanna, but sometimes I want to be back where I can watch, but I can leave if I want to. Y'all ever done that? You know? It's like a good family reunion, which is an oxymoron. It's impossible. You know, I want to I get there late. I want to leave early. If I go, don't box me in. I'm going to park in a ditch if I have to so nobody can park in front of me. Because when I'm going and I put that thing in gear, I ain't going to wait and have to holler at somebody to come out there and say their goodbye seven different times before they come move for me to leave. Y'all with me? Come on now. Listen, I don't even like half the people I love. (laughs) Don't sit there. I didn't say I don't love them. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Listen, he followed from afar because he wanted to be close enough to see what happened, but far enough away he could run if the pressure got too high. That's why we don't put our roots down in the local church because we're afraid... We're afraid Philip may ask us to do something. Matt or Michelle may say, hey, why don't you come do this? Pastor may want me to... I'm going to stay back here and watch. But I want to be ready to run. Peter wanted to be close enough to want. Hey, baby, maybe I just have missed something. And he's fixing to go up there and blow this thing up. He wanted to stay close enough just in case he could be there. You say, well, at least he followed afar. Nobody, no, I'm going to tell you something. There is no, nothing to be proud of in Peter's following afar here. He was short-sighted. He was close enough. He wanted to watch, far enough to run, but he was close enough to want, but far enough to avoid, he thought. He was far enough that nobody would say anything. Nobody, I, don't want, I don't like crowds and I don't want nobody in my personal I don't want people in my personal space but I love when God's people who are called by my name Jesus name that comes and loves on me and loves their brethren. He said there's nothing more pleasant than for brethren to dwell together in love. Do you know how you know the person loves the Lord, he said in 1 John, is because they love the brethren and keep God's commandments, which is to love him with our awe and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Are we following afar? Are we trying to avoid? Are we trying to dodge but close enough to get any residual blessing that may come? Look at the false witness and the flawed allegations He said in verse 55, and the chief priests and all the council sought for witness against Jesus to put put him to death. How much did they find? How much? How much? Jesus, the perfect lamb without blemish. They looked for everything they could find to put him to death, and they found None. That's as powerful a verse as there is in the Bible. Because one negates the entirety. Do you understand that? All Elijah had to do is to blow one prophecy and he becomes a complete false prophet. Jesus has to have one evil thought, he has to have one disrespectful moment. He has to have one moment of deceit or lie and everything and anything about him being the sacrifice, the remission for sin is completely gone. But they found none. They found none. And and for many, bear false witness against him. But their witness didn't agree. And there arose certain and bare false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, we heard this, we heard that. I will destroy this temple that is made with hands. And with three days I will build another made without hands. But neither so did they agree. Their witness would not agree. False witnesses and flawed allegations. They were looking for agreement, but they couldn't find it. Misery loves company, church. There is no value in a yes man. Some I, man, I'm over there in in the Kings and Chronicles and finishing Second Chronicles right now. And I remember one king. He was a young king. He'd just come in. He wanted to do what was right. And they brought in all these counsel from the former king who was wicked and they all said oh yes go up to Ramoth Gilead God's going to give you a victory and they said is there not one from the Lord the king said is there not one and see the king of Israel wanted the king of Judah to go with him and and enter in together and the king of Israel was evil and the king of Judah was trying to seek right and so they brought one they said oh don't bring him he don't ever tell us what we want to hear he don't ever say anything good and so he come they propped him up. And he said, well, the king of Jews said, we're going to bring him. So they bring him. He comes up and he's, he says, well, tell us what the Lord said. The Lord said, go on everything be all right. And he said, I called you up here to tell the truth. will tell the truth. He said, I saw you as sheep on that hill without a shepherd. That you will go up there and be completely dismayed. And you'll all be scattered and go back your own way the king of Israel looked at King Judah and said, I told you he wouldn't tell us what we wanted to hear. And they went in anyway. And God wrecked their plans. Just like the man of God said. The king of Judah escaped with his life because the king of Israel tried to disguise himself. And the sheep were spread all over the hill just as the man of God said. False witnesses, flawed allegations. Don't tell somebody your opinion and guise it and dress it up as God's word. You ever heard a Christian say, well, you know what the Bible says, God, uh, cleanliness is next to godliness. No, it don't. We start quoting scriptures not here. It's like in first hesitations or something. You tell somebody, turn to the book of Hezekiah, they'll start looking because they don't know. It's a shame. Well, ought to know what God's Word says and what it don't. Church, stay away from false witnesses. They were looking for agreement. They were, it was all hearsay, but no one agreed. And every story was totally, completely different. But you know what? You and I, i I've been to Guatemala, we're going back, Lord's willing, first week of June. And we'll go down there and through interpreters, we'll tell them the same story that their pastors and friends know in God's word that they speak in a a different language. And we will go minister to those children in that public school, almost 1,100 kids. I'm going to tell you something. Give a dollar for every kid. You want to do something mighty? Church give a dollar for every kid. You say I don't I don't need a cake and I don't need it. I don't care if you buy a cake or not. Just write a check. Because those children, those lost people in Solala, Guatemala, where the pastor Barrios and his family are starting a church with young couples that need the Lord. Listen, God has led us to go come alongside them, to go out and visit and to encourage them, not just in June, but in the days and months and years to come. what i'm telling you is whether it's in the gypsy villages of ukraine or whether it's in the shore on the shores of discovery bay jamaica or whether it's in the villages of the interior of honduras or mexico or nicaragua or in the schoolhouse in solala the word never changes when we prayed with well, that school superintendent and she said, let's go outside. And we began to talk and we had the interpreter and she began to share with us. and She said, I want you to know, I want to do whatever I can because I, I need you to know. Now that I've heard who you are and where you're from and what you're doing, I want you to understand it was through a Southern Baptist missionary who came to my town as a little girl that I heard the gospel and was born again. They gave me my first Bible that helped teach me how to read. And they came, the missionaries came and poured into my life and helped pay for me to go to college to be where I'm at. I want you in the schools telling them about Jesus. I'm going to be real honest with you and I don't want to be ugly, but I really don't care what you think. I don't care Because it doesn't matter a hill of beans, your opinion versus mine. What matters is, thus saith the Lord. Now I value everyone in this room. I do. I value every single person in this room. But your opinion is just like mine. It'll die with you. But Jesus is alive forevermore. And His truth will stand when the world's on fire. I want to finish. Look at facts versus fiction. Facts versus fiction. Verse 60. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, Are you not going to answer? What is it which these witness against thee? But he held his peace and answered nothing. Again the high priest asked Him and said unto him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the blessed? He asked him point blank. Jesus said, I am. But God, Pharaoh won't believe me. Who do I say sent me? I am. Who are you, Jesus? I am. And both of them are in agreement. We find that in 1 John. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one, one in three, and the one in the middle died for me. Oh, Hallelujah for the Trinity, the triune God. That words cannot explain, but the power of His presence we find fact. Jesus said, I am. And you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes and said, What need we any further witness? You have heard the blasphemy. And they all condemned him to be guilty of death. Some began to spit on him, to cover his face, and to beat on him, and to say unto him, prophesy in mockery. And the servant did strike him with the palms of their hands. We see, you ever heard the saying, truth hurts? It's not the person always that's hearing the truth that it hurts. It physically hurt Jesus being the truth. They beat on him because he told them the truth. They mocked him because he told them the truth. Don't be surprised when your friends, your family, your followers, those around you betray you, who set you up, who run out on you because you speak the truth in love. Jesus was not hateful. Jesus was not mean-spirited. Jesus simply told him the truth. And he answered his question. The world's going to say, why do you go to church? Why do you believe all that stuff? Why do you give your money? Why do you go on Sunday night? Why do you have to study and do all this other stuff? Man, we could be having so much more fun. Tell them the truth. But be ready. Because they may not like your answer. They may try to make up, say, oh, you Christians. I was sharing with the Sunday school this morning. Because we believe in a triune God. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You have Muslims who say, we believe in a three-headed God. You have others who are cultists in America and throughout the world, like the Jehovah Witnesses, who said, oh no, no, you have perverted and taken away the authority and the, the power of Jehovah God. But I've got news for you. Jesus and the Holy Spirit is Jehovah as much as the Father. It is fact versus fiction. This word stands true. Jesus stands true. And whether he cursed the fig tree and it died, bearing witness, or whether he told a man to see and he was blind, whatever he said is true. And whatever God's telling you today, take it to the bank. But consider everything else fiction. Let me finish. I want you to look in verse 66 at a faithless fraud. Some of us, we can dress it up. We can read it up. We even even pray in public. But that does not make us right with God. He said in verse 66, And as Peter was beneath in the palace, There cometh one of the maids of the high priest, and when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, Thou also wast with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand I what thou sayest. And he went out into the porch and the cock crew. And a maid saw him again and began to say to them that stood by, This is one of them. And they were, she wasn't even saying it to him. She said it about him. And it said he denied it again. And a little after, they that stood by said again to Peter, Surely, without question, you are one of them. For you are a Galilean, and your speech agreeeth thereto. Now, Peter, Andrew's brother, the second apostle, Peter, the one who had went into the garden. Peter, on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, who had walked on the water. Peter, who had seen and done more than any other apostle. You're one of them. But he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom you speak. And the second time, the cock crew. Peter called to mind the words that Jesus said unto him before the cock crow twice. You will deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. He was a faithless fraud. Think about this. At one point, Jesus said, you will be a sheep who is strong. Peter told him, he said, though they all leave you, Lord, I will not leave you. He said that, did he not? Jesus said, if they all leave you, I'm not leaving you. I don't know what you're talking about. First denial. Second thing, he said, I'll fight for you. Or I'll die with you. He said, I must go and die. He said, oh no, Lord, you're not to go die. He said, Peter, you don't understand what you say. I must. Well, then we'll all die with you. Did he say that? He said, I'll die with you. And now he stood over by the fire. And the second time he said, I, don't, I, I am not one of them. And then the third, he said, I'll fight for you. In verse 47, we see where one of them that stood by, and we know from other gospels, it was Peter drew a sword and smote a servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. He said, I will fight for you. And hours later, mere hours The third time, Peter denied him. And the cock crowed twice. I want you to understand something. Even that chicken confessed and was obedient to God's power and authority. You believe that? What come before the chicken or the egg? Well the chicken did, but I can tell you one thing. The chicken was created by God, and God told him to to crow, he crowed. And he called to witness the deceit and the faithless fraud Peter was. Some of us we come week in, week out, and don't even do what the chicken knew to do. And that's just simply be obedient. And follow the Lord as they come to the instruments. As they come, I want you right now, without worrying about closing up shop because you're going to stay and have spaghetti. I want you to ask yourself, am I part of the setup? Am I part of the setup? Is my life setting up Jesus for failure In front of the world. Is my example nothing but greed? Am I a fraud? Am I not following where God said? Am I staying too far away? Or am I drawing close to Him? Lord, is it I? Is it I? If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, don't be a Judas. Don't sell Him out for the things of this world. Moses in... In contrast, the Bible says, "...gave up sin for a season to be obedient, and his faith was accounted unto him for righteousness." Will you trust Jesus today? Not my words, but the Word of God, that Jesus loved you. Jesus loves you. Jesus will love you if you will come and confess your sins and say, Jesus, Lord, God Almighty, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and save me that I may be reborn of the Spirit and confess you in the truth that only you are. Whatever you need to do to draw to Him, come, come today. May we leave different than when we got here today. That is my prayer. May it be yours. standing. and come. Come to Jesus. Come to Him.